from the Roman Empire in particular because they were considered being anti-religious. They were called atheists because their faith called for a singular focus, belief, and worship of God in Jesus Christ. And the Romans had a pantheon of gods. And so what the Christians were saying was there's only one God. And so the Romans said, well, then you're atheists because you don't believe in our gods. And you don't have to believe in them all. You can pick and choose. You know, here are some gods. Here are some idols. Pick the ones that you want, but you just have to respect them all. But people like John said, that's not, that's not what my master taught me. He said there is one God. And that one God didn't get birthed with the Christians. That one God comes from our Jewish foundations. And so they had been suffering. They'd been persecuted. They had been abandoned by family and friends who had left them, had left the faith. And so this vision is a really important vision for us as the church, as it was for them during that time. Because what this vision calls forth is for us, the church, to be, to continue to be, faithful you think I'm going to say remnant right the faithful remnant no what this word is calling us forth is to be a faithful resistance a faithful resistance this whole book of revelation as peculiar as it is is addressing these issues. It begins in the very first three chapters where, where John's vision has him writing letters to seven prominent churches in seven major cities. And he is challenging every one of them for different reasons. From the very beginning, he is calling them forth to be a faithful resistance to the pressures what are we resisting? We're resisting the temptation to fall away. We're resisting the temptation to not take God seriously. We're resisting the temptation to say that the world is just fine the way it is. Faithful resistance. God, God is most certainly faithful, and he calls us to be faithful. But what about us being faithful resistors? You see, the lamb has conquered sin and death. The lamb is Jesus. So when we hear about God on the throne with the lamb, it is God and Jesus on the throne. The lamb has conquered sin and death by offering himself as a sacrifice and then 
by being raised to glory. Those who are freed by the Lamb, by Jesus, become a part of the faithful resistance. See, when you are baptized, you are baptized into the idea that you would become a part of the faithful. And being a part of the faithful means to be a part of the faithful resistant. Resisting the temptation to abandon the faith. Since we have been freed, we are called to be a part of God's faithful resistance. And the temptation is real to abandon the faith, to to compromise our faith, to be able to fit into the world. We are called to resist the temptation to conform to the comforts of wealth and of power. We may not be in a mortal battle with the Roman Empire, but we are in battle with the evil one. And we have experienced some severe suffering and hardship these past few years. We're living during a world war where two nations are preparing to battle for a long and bloody time. Russia invaded Ukraine. Ukraine is resisting, but they both have powerful armies. And to say that one will quickly conquer the other one is not a reality. And so what we're looking at is a long, drawn-out war. I have a cousin who has a farm operation in central Iowa, but he also farms in Ukraine. Some of you have heard me talk about my cousin Gordy. And uh, he's over there. We get weekly updates. Um, you can get them too, WHO Radio in Des Moines. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that, that he was sharing from this past week is, um, well, first of all, let me just ask, how much was the cost of gas when you filled up this past week? $4, $5, six, $6? Anybody pay $6 yet? So my, my cousin said that if he can find diesel fuel, because that's what they operate on the farm with, if they can find diesel fuel, it's over $8 a gallon. And this is where an economy is being crushed with 20% inflation. If you can find the things in the store, if you have the money to purchase the things. But hey, it's just a little war, right? The war has disrupted, disrupted global energy, as we all experience. It has disrupted global economics with some Economists saying we're looking in the future at a worldwide recession. And it's disrupted our politics as if they weren't already disrupted. We live in a time where it has become difficult. Can you now just wrap your head around this? It's become difficult to properly nourish infants in the United States of America. Is that bizarre or what? I mean... It's not really completely new 
because for the last 10 years, the infant mortality rate in the United States has been increasing. There are like 20 nations that are way ahead of us in infant mortality rate. There is a sickness, right? But we're kind of just living with it. We can try to fix it with this political party or that political party, but maybe it's deeper than that. Something that we've all become accustomed to since the pandemic is empty grocery shelves. I mean, those first couple of months, it was crazy. It did look like, you know, the old Soviet Union. But today we still have them. You know, it's different things, different weeks, but you'll walk down the grocery aisle and there'll be a big hole where there's supposed to be something. Then we have the temptation to abandon the faith. To focus on ourselves instead. Maybe you haven't heard, but I've heard from a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Many who have become inactive in their faith. You know, they said, well, I'll come back when you don't require those stinking masks. Or I'll come back when everybody's wearing a mask. Or I'll come back when you start promoting the red policies. Or I'll come back when you start promoting the blue, blue policies. I'll come back when you start doing my kind of music. Maybe you don't hear that. I'm the preacher. I get to hear all this wonderful stuff. You know, and when we think about the pandemic and what it's created within us, we can't help but also recognize that we've lost over a million of our brothers and sisters in this nation in the last two and a half years, and at least one of our own. It's disrupted our world. It's disrupted our worldview. But it's not just others, and it's just not the nation. It's also me. I, I am tempted to abandon the faithful resistance. I can't tell you how many pastors that I know that jumped into retirement. Now, you know, thankfully, I'm not anywhere near that position, so I'm not jumping. But, you know, you think about it, and you think, wow. You know, they just got tired of it. It's a crazy time. Now, do you think we need this scripture from Revelation? I mean, what am I doing to restore creation? What am I doing to share the gospel with others? So the first question is, will I, will we remain a part of God and the Lamb's faithful resistance? Are we prepared to do that? And if you have fallen away, we invite you to come back and join us in that faithful resistance by gathering for worship of faith and trust and grace.
John's vision here is very clear. And it is appealing. I mean, how many times have you heard this scripture read? I've heard it read a lot. Not just at funerals either. I mean, it is a powerfully appealing vision. A vision that we badly need today to keep us focused on who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. John points to a new creation, a, a restoration as God's ultimate purpose. And when we talk about this new creation, we're talking about the whole world. The whole universe. Everything that God has made. God is here, and, and, and we know the earth better than we know, you know, Saturn, Jupiter, you know, Andromeda strain, any of those. We know this one pretty well, so let's focus on this one. And what we know about this one is that it is broken, and it is dying, and it is filled with decay. So John points us to a new creation where God comes to restore that which is broken. And that's the first thing that I noticed is that the salvation vision that is portrayed in this particular piece of scripture is not focused on an individual, but it is focused on the whole world, the whole creation. In a world beset by droughts and wildfires, super storms, melting ice caps, and other bizarre weather phenomena, my, my brother sent me a, all of us brothers, he sent us a tweet of a haboob. Now, if you're from Arizona, you know what a haboob is. Uh, it's a big wall of dust. And what was interesting was that uh, this haboob that he sent me a picture of was, was uh, traveling over where my father's farm birthplace was. <laughs> It was in northwest Iowa. I mean, how crazy is that, that they're getting haboobs? So we're living in a time where creation is filled with chaos. And we need God to step in, in the midst of our decaying world. We need, in the meantime, we need to be making better choices for our world. But ultimately, what we need in addition to our better choices, is we need God to come down. And that is good news, friends. That God is not waiting for us to come up. God is preparing to come down. And he's not coming down, you know, like my mom used to say, wait till your father gets home. That's not the kind of coming that Jesus is coming with Jesus is coming with a whole new restoration and creation he is coming to mend the broken to fix that what has fallen apart and when he comes he comes down kind of like the ceiling do you notice how 
the cross and the ceiling comes down to us. That was intentional in the design of this building. We can try to climb up to God, but we're not going to make it. We've tried. And that's why Jesus came down 2,000 years ago. And that's why he will come again. And when he comes again, he will come down to us. You see, the restoration of creation is not just for the created order, but it's for you as well, for individuals to be redeemed, to experience the gift of salvation. Hence, there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. Think about that. All those things will have been gone forever. And the center of this new heaven and this new earth will be coming down from heaven, bringing the holy city, the new Jerusalem, to us. I kind of like that vision. Because sometimes I think we have thought of heaven as all this place way out there that we'll have to go to someday when we die. What this vision offers us is a different perspective. That heaven's going to begin here on earth with a complete restoration. Better than those homes on HGTV. I mean, this no cutting corners with God. It is complete restoration. And when this holy city comes down, I find it kind of amusing and loving that God loves cities. He's coming down, bringing the city of Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem. And this restoration and this redemption won't happen somewhere in the by and by up in the clouds, but it'll begin right here. So that the kingdom of the world can truly be the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. We could add down, (laughs) your kingdom come down. Your will be done on earth, here, as it is in heaven. Let's stop splitting heaven and earth, and let's begin to see how God is integrating heaven and earth in this this new creation. The new creation that John sees is marked partially by what is missing and what is present. So what is missing? The forces of evil that have opposed God and diminished life are no longer present. Think about that. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Yes. All the powers of evil, everything that has diminished life, that has taken life, is gone. Satan and all of the forces of evil will have been defeated for good. And the resurrection of the dead brings an end to death itself. Remember, no more death, no more mourning, no more tears. 
And in this new creation, death and mourning and tears and pain are not just gone. They are gone forever. Never to come back. There will be no sting of death that you have to deal with. Those are the things that will be missing in this vision. At the same time, the new creation is characterized by what is present. And this new creation is the presence of God who gives life. In the past, they all had to drink from toxic waters of judgment. You think I'm kidding, don't you? Let me look this one up here. Verse 11, chapter 8. The name of the star was bitterness, and it made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. That's toxic. And so the toxic water will be replaced with waters that bring life. Because God now invites them into the presence of clean, safe water. Where they are to drink freely from the spring of the water of life that flows, that flows from God's throne. We know this because the God who promises all these things is faithful and true. You know, when I started our focus, refocus on discipleship, probably a decade ago, a friend who I was learning from at the time had a vision. And he said, for our churches that are faithful in discipleship, they will begin to look like the vision that Ezekiel had in chapter 37, where the waters flow from the temple, and they flow out of the temple down into the Aqaba, which is the, the depression area of right before the Dead Sea. It's just, you know, dirt and salt. Nothing can grow there. And the waters from the temple will flow down there and they'll bring life. And all of a sudden, you'll have all kinds of plant life glowing around the Aqaba and through the Dead Sea. And there'll be fish in the Dead Sea. Wow. What's interesting here, in this vision that John has, the waters flow but they no longer flow from the temple in the holy city. Now the temple is replaced by God's throne. The throne where the lion and the lamb, where God and Jesus are seated. And the waters that flow from there will bring life, will plant trees, will restore all of creation. And God will dwell with his people. God will not expect his people to come to him. God will go to his people and he will dwell with you. So the good news is that this vision is for you and for me to have hope. For this new heaven and this new earth, this holy city is marked, is marked by love. It is God's love for his created order. For you and for me that will bring this vision to reality. Think about that. 
I mean, God created the heavens and the earth, right? God has created everything. What would it be like if God just said, ah, I'm giving up on it. Let's just destroy it. That's not part of God's plan. God's plan is to bring life back, to restore it. And he's waiting for us to help, to be his hands and his feet, to be his, his mouth, to speak his word. It is God's love for this created world. It is God's love for you that will bring this vision to reality. Not only will God do this, but God has done this. Remember, he said it is done. For he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And God has come for you. It is true that God is committed to you because God has acted on your behalf. He loves you. And so he sent his son to suffer, to die, to be raised again, and now to be seated at the right hand of God in his glory. God is faithful to you. And that, my friends, that is what love looks like. Let us pray. Gracious and mighty God, we give you thanks that you have chosen to come to us. As we run from you, you, you come to us. You come down from heaven, not with a stick, but with an with a embrace of love, with an act of love. Help us to see that love, Lord, and awaken us once again to be in your world, to participate in the restoration of this creation and of the people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Friends, as we, we're going to sing a new song this morning called New Jerusalem. I want you to go like this with your hands. Go like this. This is what I teach our kids here at the preschool is that when we love each other like Christ, heaven and earth get a little closer. We're kind to one another. Heaven and earth get a little closer. We're peaceable with one another. Heaven and earth get a little closer. And then one day, it's all going to connect. Amen. So I want to encourage you with that this morning to just remember that visual that every time you're kind to someone, especially someone that's different from you and challenges you and is like sandpaper to you, just be kind and just recognize that we are bringing the new Jerusalem closer and closer and closer to earth. We participate with Jesus in this. We get to participate with him. Like Steve was saying, it would be so easy for him to do some of this stuff, but he wants our involvement in it. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Christian who's asleep in the light. I don't mean to say that harshly, but like, if you're a Christian and you're living in the light of God, but you're asleep, wake up! And I mean it, wake up! We have truth, we have life, we have salvation. We get to dance in the river of God. And it's a good thing. So let's be awake. Let's wake up and live in that light and let's be who God's called us to be. Let's be Christians. The world needs more Christians acting like Christ, not like a political party or something like that. So let's keep bringing heaven and earth closer, okay? So as we sing this, don't worry about singing. Just 
just let these words kind of wash over your heart this morning. It's such a beautiful song about our relationship with Jesus.